Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitters of the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- What's up, heaters? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. We appreciate you joining us as always. I am your co-host, Amanda. You can reach me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan also on Twitter at DCNatJack and at HalfShackCap. You can find our digital media coordinator at One Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor at the world's worst Twitter handle, at MDT 06181815 and the show at Half Street High Heat. And do make sure you check out the show because there's some polls up there for the next, I don't know, by the time we post this, they might be over, huh? <laughs> we put some polls up there from last mm-hmm. week's show. So get out there and vote. And uh, how are you guys doing? I want to point week? out that Amanda almost said her word of the week for herself and it completely threw her off for the entire I did. <laughs> I totally screwed that up. And I did forget to say the word at all. So I meant to say my assiduous co-hosts is your word this week. Assiduous. Assiduous. Uh, it starts with ass because you guys are asses. That's why. I have one. Um <laughs> No, nah, I, I, nah, I got nothing. Assiduous. <laughs> I, I was trying to like acid. No, I, I got nothing. Well, I will, I, I will uh, give you a hint in that it's a compliment. So if you look it up later. Uh, I, I've just been so, you know, uh, like nose to the, to the research for these, uh, these rankings and uh, Christmas song draft we're going to do today. I, I need to make sure I win. Yeah, so you guys have that to look forward to. We also have a great interview for you uh, later in the show, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, you know, Nick, just to piggyback off of that, (laughs) um, (laughs) I put put a lot of work into these rankings as well. Um, You know, to piggyback off of that, to go off of that, um, last (laughs) week I said I was going to get the COVID vaccine after the new year, but to piggyback off last week's episode, I got it Thursday. 
Um, they decided to change how they're doing it. They basically told us we have until the end of the year or we can't work to get it. So ah. I got stabbed. Um, I haven't figured out how this thing works yet. Bill Gates hasn't contacted me yet, which is all right. Like, I well, I think it's after you get the second dose. When yeah. are you scheduled for the second dose? Uh, first week in January. So I think then that's when he contacts me. Ryan, yeah. to play devil's advocate, do you have any con- con- concerns about any potential side effects to the COVID vaccine? Um, so getting the shot, I had this really sweet, like elderly Italian lady who told me she reminded me of her grandson. I was more concerned that she wasn't wearing gloves at the time. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm a little bit of like a neat freak. Like I don't like germs. Um, and like, she like, wa- she like used an alcohol wipe on her hands, but lady, like this is sterile, put on some damn gloves. Um, it was weird. I started thinking in Russian right away. Um, my arms started hurting really badly at night. And it was pretty funny because all of us that worked the next day we were laughing on it because on the paperwork they gave us, it says use like a wet, damp, like cloth on your arm. We're like, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. And we were like, uh, yeah, I was sitting in bed thinking I should put that dang cl- uh, cloth on my arm. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't have a second head yet, sadly. Um, I haven't bought any Microsoft products. Again, I guess Bill Gates is failing me. But uh, yeah, it's been a, a normal shot, which is kind of upsetting to say because otherwise... There's more kind, kind of anticlimactic, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just to play devil's advocate, like I just like drama. <laughs> the worst, the worst vaccine I ever got was when I was in the army. We had they give you a million vaccines before you go anywhere. So I went to Korea and they gave me a typhoid vaccine, and that's a two shot series Those as well. But the first one, the first one I got, and it like, it basically your arm. It was like this big lump sitting in your arm, and you like couldn't lift your arm up over your head for days, and it was so painful. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I feel like such a wimp, but good lord, that's like the most painful vaccine I've ever had in my life. And then as soon as it starts to feel better, they stick you again, do it to you again. I got like working there, like I have to stay up to date on all my shots and like vaccines and everything. So I got this one like near my armpit. That was probably the most painful shot I've ever had in my entire life. Um, My arm only hurt for one day, which like. Again, where's the fun in that? Um, make me suffer, but you know it's whatever. Well, do you ever um, get the ones in the hiney where they you gotta get those? Those are no you mean fun. Like rectal thermometers? No, uh, I do I not mean do like rectal stuff. thermometers. I mean like a shot in the butt cheek. That's what uh, I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I have no idea. You've what never you're had to get one of those. About. They give vaccines that way. At least they used to in the army, man. Good no, lord, they no, give you no, so no. many vaccines when you. It's like it's insane. Well, they give us so like, many. When I get my to work, it's in like a middle of a room with like a bunch of people and I got to pull her pants down. Um, well, that's but, good at least. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to sell. So like when you get your vaccine, they give you a little like ID card that says you got your vaccine in what day. Um, I think I'm going to sell mine on the black market. So I feel like I can easily get 10K for that thing. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. You might want to yeah. wait till you get the card that says you've had both shots. Well, I mean, my card says one, so I can just fake the other one, even though I'm getting it, like, in two weeks. Um, I can still just fake it and sell it now. Ryan, to piggyback off you, uh, to (laughs) piggyback off you, I haven't bought any Microsoft products recently, but I have bought one major Sony product recently, and I am now the proud owner of a PS5. Congratulations. um, it's going. They say you're living the dream. I am so proud of you. And to piggyback off of that, we both now have PS5s, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us. So is this the part where I point out that I bought one, too? Do I get to be proud? No, I, I got one for my kids. The play devil's cause... advocate. Um... <laughs> wow. Um... Anyway, where did you get yours, Nick? Did you say Walmart? 
Yeah, I got mine through Walmart just by sheer luck because Walmart's been the the worst, um, you know, about just trying to get or worst about bots and, you know, just trying to get PS5. Like uh, earlier on, um, I, I got to the checkout like button where it was just confirm and pay. Uh, I've gotten to, you know, the um, add to cart and you know it sells out while it's in your cart all this stuff but somehow some way i got it to go through and you know it's looking good but you got your did you actually have it yet i did i got my game stuff no i uh it's not gonna ship until like january 8th which is so annoying but at least i have one yeah i got mine through gamestop i think they said it will be here before the fifth or something oh yeah but not by christmas the fifth that's when I get stabbed the second time when Bill Gates takes me over. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. If you come on the, the next episode talk, you know, singing the praises of Microsoft, we'll all know what happened. <laughs> we'll all know. So anything else exciting happened this week other than shots and PS5s? I honestly can't even like remember what happened this week. <laughs> Nice. And, you know, I know, like, we talk about that every single week, but, like, this week just feels like I I literally couldn't tell you what happened. Yeah, oh, you know, I mean, it's going. I, yeah, it, it is going. <laughs> it's going. If, if there's one thing, it do be going. Um, no, I needed to use, like, seven and a half. I needed to use one more vacation day at work, so I got an unexpected day off this week. That was pretty cool. That is fun. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing exciting. <laughs> Nothing exciting. Things are pretty slow in real estate. This is like the slowest week or two of the year right around Christmas. So I'm definitely enjoying the downtime. And uh, we had our cookie baking extravaganza and I had a whole bunch of leftover dough. So I've been making cookies just about every damn day. And also empanadas, which I posted on Twitter. If any of you who are listening, follow me on Twitter. Some pictures of the absolutely stunning and gorgeous and amazing empanadas that I made. And I had made this massive uh, batch of arroz con pollo that I was using to stuff the empanadas and I have so much of it. I love arroz con pollo. So do I, but I've been using that to stuff the empanadas with cheese and the the arroz con pollo. And they're so, so good, but I had this massive batch of, of the filling. So I've been eating them pretty much every single day I've been making and eating empanadas. So that's been what my week has been all about is I'm now an empanada aficionado slash expert. God, yeah. I love empanadas. I do too. They're so. so good right did now. you see the picture I, I I posted? Yeah, yeah, I did. It looked really. Oh my good. god, it's so good. They're so good. <laughs> I'm gonna go eat. I'm gonna. Damn it! Now I'm gonna need some again when we're done recording. <laughs> my son is at work, and he just texted me right before we started recording to ask me if I was gonna make empanadas when he gets home. I'm like, dude, you're not coming home till like eleven o'clock at night. He's like, I know you're gonna be awake. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And I probably will make them for him. So that's my big plan for after we're done here this evening. Yep. So right. we live exciting lives, clearly. Yep. <laughs> We're not going to get this kind of scintillating uh, storytelling just anywhere. So why don't we get to the actual purpose of this podcast, which is baseball. Brian, can you hit us with the weekend review, please? All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
It was a slow week, but nevertheless, there are some pretty major stories that we have to touch up on. Major League Baseball owners are having legit conversations about having the season be delayed um, and playing a shortened season. The rumor is that they want to play 140 games this year. The owners want players to have both doses of the vaccine before reporting to spring training. Major League Baseball also said that they will not cut the line when it comes to the vaccine. Pitchers and catchers report in February, so it's highly unlikely that any players can be vaccinated by February without cutting the line. The vaccine timeline to be widely distributed for the public as of now is anywhere from March to June. This is a pretty big story to monitor. Good news is for Major League Baseball, the 1% has never cut anything, so maybe the season will be delayed. Um, what was the biggest story of the week? Major League Baseball officially acknowledging the Negro Leagues, Negro Leagues as a major league as we near their 100th anniversary. This means all stats from all players in the Negro Leagues now count as official Major League Baseball stats and in the record books as well. This should not be the last step. This is the first step, and Major League Baseball took the first step to make themselves feel better about their horrible and destructive actions that they have done to the history of black players in this league. There's been a hundred years of wrongdoing by major league baseball. And like I said, this is the first step. This should not be the only step major league baseball takes. Scott Boris once again is challenging major league baseball saying they did not lose any money. They lost revenue. Now, an Associated Press report confirms that Major League Baseball cut payrolls industry-wide by $2.6 billion in 2020. Again, the math doesn't add up for Major League Baseball. To player news and team news, Terry Francona, Terry Francona says it is time for the changing of Cleveland's baseball name, and he supports it. But the team announced that they will still use their current name in 2021 with plans for announcing the new team name in the 2022 season. Um, Mets have called the Indians and the Rockies about trading for Lindor and Arenado. Mets are clearly in on any single player that can field or hit a baseball. DJ LeMayu has upped his asking price from 5100 to 5125 He's creating a bidding war with himself, and honestly, he's going to win, so props to him. The Reds are unlikely to sign Trevor Bauer as he is out of their price range. This should not be a surprise as the Reds are currently shopping around their entire roster. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Reds for their 60-game window. The Padres have had discussions about acquiring Sonny Gray. Industry executives believe that the market should pick up a lot this week. They do expect signings to happen before Christmas and then go radio silence from Christmas until after the new year. This has been your Week in Review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Happy Kwanzaa and Merry Christmas to all of those who celebrate. Why do they expect signings to pick up between now and Christmas and then slow down again? Um, the report I was reading saying that there are players who like to have this situated before the holidays so they can relax, enjoy the holidays. Um, that makes even sense. when you look back, there's usually a flurry of signings that happen before the holidays. Um, like you remember Daniel Murphy signed on Christmas Eve when they signed him. So there is usually movement before Christmas and then major league baseball takes like an unofficial holiday break from Christmas until after the new year. So teams may want to try to be aggressive and get their guys before they take their unofficial breaks. That makes sense. Cool. So, um, there are, you know, a lot of rumors this week, really not a lot of actual signings going on. There have been some Nats rumors that were very interesting. Uh, we heard 
that they were engaged. You mentioned the Reds basically selling everything that's not nailed down and uh, talking with the Nats uh, about Eduardo Suarez. What do you guys think about that? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Eugenio John, Suarez. Dang, that's the second yeah. time I've done that. I know. I always <laughs> say that too. I always it's mess his like, name up. I like tweeted out like at nine o'clock this morning, still in bed. And I was like, damn, I did the wrong name. I um, always, I don't know why. I, was I there ever that. an Eduardo Suarez? Why do I have that name in my head? Um, I Eduardo Rodriguez. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It's anyway. Yes. Um, so John Heyman report that the Nats have had conversations with the Reds. He notes that nothing is close and the talks have not yet been serious, but Dan Federico and Jesse Doherty both confirmed that these talks happen and Jesse Doherty confirmed the Nats interest in him. Um, I want Suarez. Like I, I can't stress this enough. I like, there's the, there's the tier of elite third baseman, right? It's Brett, like Arenado, Rendon, Chapman, Bregman, Devers, right? There's the elites. And then there's that second tier of groups where it's like Machado and Turner. Suarez is in that second tier. This guy hits freaking tanks, okay? He hit 49 home runs in 2019. Stupid. Um, and you also look at the fact that he is, has five more years of control. He's making $11 million every year. In 2025, he has a $15 million option. His tax hit every single year is $9.5 million. Like, you can get him this year, still address all your other holes, and still comfortably be able to extend Trey and Soto, which is the most important thing this team can do right now. Um, but when you have a contract like that, he's going to be expensive, right? Adam Eaton costs the number one prospect in baseball because he has because of his contract and now you have someone who has a 40 plus home run power which by the way put 40 plus home runs behind juan soto you the best three four combination yes please <laughs> i would take that oh any day of the week it's going to cost a lot the report is kibum has been discussed i feel like if the nats get someone who's under contract for five years they will happily throw in kibum yeah i will pack his bags myself <laughs> It's just going to take a lot more. You're going to have to throw a pretty good package, maybe Fetty or both, and then another one of your top 10 prospects, and then a lower tier prospect. But again, you're getting a 29-year-old who's only making $9.5 million for five years, who has 40 home runs. Do whatever it takes to get them. Yeah. And I do wonder now, I mean, the rumors are out there that the Nats have been talking, but it's not serious. Um, given that they're shopping him, I, I can't imagine the Nats are the only interested team. So I'm sure it's going to take a very competitive package for them to, to try to nail him down. I, I honestly think they have what it takes. Like, I, I really do. With Rizzo's trade history, we know if a guy has team control. Rizzo he loves that team control. He loves, loves it. He loves it. He doesn't like trading for Reynolds. We know that. He literally said that in his press conference, which, by the way, we will talk about the press conference at length um, with Chase Hughes in a little bit. He loves team control. This is five years of a power bat in the middle of your lineup. Like, and you could still do more. Like, there's, like, if you don't want to add Ozuna or Springer or someone because it hampers you, I get that. But you can literally get him and still add all your other holes because he's so cheap. I don't know. I, I don't like, I don't think it'll happen, but of all the rumors I've heard, this one makes the most sense to me, if that makes sense. It's also I, just, it's more realistic uh, for, for the Nats agreed. because I think, you know, Arenado is available. The Rockies are actively shopping him to the Mets, and if the Nats really wanted to insert themselves into the conversation, they could. They just they clearly don't want to. 
right? They don't want to give up someone like Robles. They don't want to give up Rutledge, Cavalli, or anyone like that. They want, you know, that next tier down. And that's where Eugenio Suarez comes in because he's still a, a huge, I can't even stress this enough, a huge upgrade over anyone we have and anyone available to play third base, like even on the free agent market. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a, you know, I think Justin Turner is the best available free agent third baseman and Eugenio Suarez is miles better and younger than him. And, and more affordable. Yeah, way more affordable. So it it's just right feels up Rizzo the alley. Doesn't it? Yeah. It just feels like the kind of move that, that Rizzo would like to make. It's somebody that's kind of, you know, pardon the pun, out of left field. Um, he, mm. you, nobody was kind of thinking about it. Everybody's looking at the free agents, and here he is looking at maybe a trade. But I like it's, it. It's interesting because, like, I was literally thinking about this one day. I was looking at the top free agents. And I was like, none of these people make sense for the Nats right now with the, where they are. And like not all, with their contracts or what they're going to cost. There's all these reasons why the, the available free agents just don't really fit quite right. Exactly. And so I was trying to think of who they can do. Um, and then a week, not even a week later, like two days later, this comes out. Also, this report comes like three days after they talk about how much faith they have in Kibum. So that entire press conference. That's the death crazy. knell right there. As soon as they say we have so much faith in this kid, I'm like, you are shopping him. I know you are. Like they have to do it, but it just proves that was off PR. Yeah, for he may sure. need a change of scenery too. Like even though he's still young, like there's just been so much pressure yeah. already put on him, and there there is a an opinion on him. Like he, whether it's good or bad, everyone in that organization already has an opinion on him. Um, and it seems like a lot of that is kind of just like maybe not so positive based on some of the, the rumblings we've heard over the past few weeks. So maybe he kind of just needs a place where he can restart. If the Reds are going to rebuild, he could just be part of a rebuild, not part of a team that's actively trying to contend. Yeah, I think that could be good for him and good for the Nats. So we shall see. Okay, how about Molina? It's another rumor so, we heard this week. I forgot the name of the first writer who posted this, but the thing is, like, every single writer has talked about this. Um, they all note that the Nats could be a very realistic backup spot for Yadier Molina. Um, his talks with the Cardinals are not going very well right now. And it belie there's belief that the Nats could step in. Um, I think from the reports that they have had conversations, he wants a two-year deal, but the belief in the industry is that Molina's going to have to uh, settle for one year in the team option. Um, I don't want him. I want nothing to do with him. Like he's not going to set the backup role. He's 38. And like, I don't know. I just don't like his. Ego. Yeah. I, I feel like his unrealistic um, ego situation going on. Like you're at the end of your career, which you know, and everybody else knows, like, can you just like have some dignity as you take on a smaller role on a one-year deal? And just, <laughs> I don't think that's a yes from him. It's not even like, it's not the ego. Like I love when players have big egos. I think it's funny. It's just the fact that you told the team that you're going to go into the Hall of Fame representing that their $10 million offer was insulting when you're 38. Like, come on. I know. When I saw that, I was like, he's not coming to the Nats. If $10 million is insulting, then you could just keep, keep Although, on walking, please. he does hate Ronald Acuna, and him and Acuna in the same division for two years could be pretty fun. That could be could be something. That could part. be entertaining. I It'll also... be a silver lining if they sign him, but I don't think it's a good a good idea for the Nats. I also don't want Malia just because, you know, he's providing defense. 
right? And there's plenty of other catchers that if you just wanted to get defense out of them, you could get for a fraction of the price that Malik's going to cost. And yeah, and they're going to be younger and more able than Molina is at this point in his career. And also, like bringing in Molina most likely brings Adam Wainwright too, and I don't want Wainwright either. Wainwright's he needs to retire. He, like, he's just past it at this point. Like, I don't get why, you know, he's still trying to, to make it a thing. And both of them, if they're, you know, not going to stick with the Cardinals, they just need to retire as well. Yeah, those are the ones you just don't want to see those guys in another uniform. It would just be so weird. I'm not enjoying watching Tom Brady play in Tampa, for instance. Like, it's weird every time I see it, and I just don't like it. <laughs> I'm not interested in, I don't know. There's just Jordan sometimes on the Wizards, except for not nearly as good. Right. Yeah, not nearly as good. No, it's just, just sometimes you just wish a player would hang it up with the, the team they've been with. And like I said, just go out a beloved member of that franchise instead of trying to, I mean, for what? To extend it for one more year and, you know, get some more money you don't really need and, you know, kind of destroy your legacy with the organization you, you built it with. I don't know. It just feels a little, I mean, it's easy for me to say, right? I'm not the one turning down five or $10 million, but um, it just feels a little a little gross whenever I see people do it. But speaking of catchers, we've got one more interesting rumor going around. Real Muto also, was it just yesterday or the day before? There were some rumors that the Nats were actually interested in and looking at them. I said this last week, we're going to talk about Real Muto a lot. And here we are again with a new rumor talking about him. Um, John Heyman and Brett Garioli have been talking about this for a while. Um, they both mentioned that the Nats do have interest in JT Romuto. This comes a couple days after the Nats sat down and talked with Romuto's agent. Um, but now this report is that the Nats do have interest in it, but it will come down to if ownership approves the spending. This to me sounds like Mike Rizzo wants to make an offer. The mm-hmm. fact that we're hearing if uh, ownership approves, th- I feel like dollars have been talked. And we all know Rizzo loves JT Real Muto. To me, this means that he wants to make an offer and he's waiting on ownership to approve that type of offer he wants to make. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like to me. Like maybe Rizzo talked to Britt Giroli or John Heyman and t- told him this is what's going on and, and put that out there. And uh, just to maybe even just to let Real Muto know that they're serious. I don't know. I don't know what benefit there is to kind of leaking that to the press, especially if we're waiting on on ownership. But I don't know. It, it's an interesting rumor. I'll be surprised because spending the kind of money it's going to take to get Real Muto in this offseason where they don't know how many games they're playing next year and they don't know what's going to happen with the CBA. It just it, it doesn't feel like something that the Nats would do, but maybe they'll surprise us. It's a move that makes sense, though. Like They can also just do the... Uh, I think it was the J.D. Martinez deal where they like really front-loaded the contract... And gave him, you know, his asking AAV for the first two years and then gave him an opt-out. So what you could do with Real Muto is maybe give him, you know, 20 for 2020, but then the rest of the contract is, you know, 14 or something like that with a shit ton of deferred money. Ooh, oh, cursed. Uh, with, a oh. bunch of, uh, with a bunch of de- deferred money like the Nats love to do. And, you know, if you make it to the, like, basically enticing him to opt out. So that way you can reevaluate and you have more money coming off the books, but you also get him for a prime year of your window uh, in 2020 or 2020. Which may only be one more year. maybe. Yeah, which may only be one more year. So, you know, that's the important thing is that you're getting him for 2021. 
Well, it's fun to have some Nats rumors, but it would be more fun for the Nats to actually sign someone. I would enjoy that. Well, it depends who, but yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Actually, they dreaming did. about who they might sign is probably more fun than whoever they yeah. will actually sign, so this might right. be preferable. <laughs> that, no, they, they did sign someone. They signed the pitcher um, who they yeah, – Jeffrey Rodriguez. My, oh, minor yeah. league with a, with a spring training invite, I think. Yeah, no, Jeffrey Rodriguez. He was traded uh, for Jan Gomes. Oh, my God, that's right. That That is who it was. Yeah, yeah. Jan Gomes, that's who it was. They're okay. just collecting back the people they trade away. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah so welcome back, Gio Gonzalez and Daniel Murphy. Oh. <laughs> and Bryce Harper. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> I do wish. They're getting his best friend for a reason. Like, come on. Yeah, if that's they're gonna, gonna draft crew, they're gonna draft. <laughs> they're gonna purchase the rights to him. <laughs> yeah, a little little ahead of ourselves, a little ahead of ourselves on that one. Hey, I saw an eight year old when I was a kid uh, get a full ride to UCLA in football, so anything's possible. Wow, that's Nick. Do you remember crazy. that kid on YouTube? He had like this. He was like eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how big would you have to be at eight years old for them to get? He wasn't even big. He was like a normal eight-year-old, but he was so good. He was like Barry Sanders. <laughs> nice. Did he do anything at UCLA? I have no idea. Well, I guess if he had, we probably would have heard about it. So maybe years. not. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Maybe he's only just getting there for this ten. Yeah, years I mean, now. he might just be getting there now. All right. Well. Anyway, back to baseball. Um, we have a great interview for you guys, um, Ryan. You want to? tell them who we've got this week yeah so we sat down with nbc sport washington's chase hughes um it was perfect timing it was right after davy and rizzo had their press conference their annual state of the nationals press conference that they do so there's plenty of stuff to talk about um we dove into all their comments we talked about the certainty of this offseason trades they could potentially make we talked about Keyboom and his future um, also, he gave us a great bold prediction, and he definitely has a ghost living in this house. Make sure you guys <laughs> give Chase a follow on Twitter as well at Chase Hughes NBCS. Hope you guys enjoy. We are joined by Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington. You can find Chase on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS, and make sure you check out his podcast, Nationals Talk. Chase, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. I'm excited to talk about some baseball while it's snowing outside. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's leading where I am, which is actually incredibly depressing to watch. So I'm a little upset it's not snowing. But on the other hand, we actually have some Nat stuff to talk about because uh, Rizzo and Davey held a press conference yesterday with the media, their annual State of the Nationals. And there's some pretty interesting stuff to talk about. So he seemed to confirm that their biggest – Thing this offseason is getting a middle order bat um they said they're basically not in on bryant which who i wanted um also seemed like they're not in on real muto or dj lemayu so with those three names out where do you think they turn to look to get a middle order bat this offseason well it's a really good question because obviously it's a need but they also have a lot of other needs and you wonder how much money they're going to have to spend and how much can they spend on that type of player so you know, early on, I was thinking George Springer would be the perfect fit, a guy who hits for power and can play a few spots in the outfield um, with with pretty good defense, and he can also hit for average. But I feel like he's probably going to be too much on an average annual basis for them to spend on one player. So I think they're going to have to look for someone who's a bit more of a bargain. But the question is, 
can you find someone who's a legitimate middle of the order bat at a bargain? That's a, probably going to be difficult to do. And, and, you know, maybe with a suppressed free agent market, uh, that's more possible than it is in other years. But if I were to hone in on two names, I would say probably Kyle Schwarber and, and Michael Brantley. I don't think they'll cost as much uh, per year as a Springer. And obviously you don't have to give up the prospects like you would for Chris Bryant, but both guys, um, would can play the outfield, obviously Brantley a little bit better than Schwarber defensively, uh, but they bring some power uh, from the left side. I mean, Schwarber, uh, I think it'd be a bit of an adventure defensively, similar to what we saw from Adam Dunn and Michael Morris out there. But he had 38 homers in 2019. And this team not only needs just depth in their lineup, but they need power. You know, they were, uh, I think, 20th in homers last year, and that's become a huge indicator of success where you look at, like, the top two teams in home runs last year, for instance, uh, were the Dodgers and Braves, and they met in the NLCS. So uh, homers are, have always been important, but I think they're more important now than, than maybe ever. And the Nationals need to hit more bombs, and, and so I think they need to find a power bat. Um, but like I said, it not an extraordinary price. It's nice yeah. to know that they actually recognize that need as well, because typically when we see these State of the Union addresses from Rizzo or Davey, whoever it is, we get the uh, we believe in the guys we have. So it's nice to know that they actually see the problem and they're doing something to address it, whether it's, you know, someone more of a bargain or hopefully even, you know, one of these top guys. Yeah, certainly. And I think ultimately what will happen is, you know, maybe they'll check in on the the top uh, offensive players in free agency, but ultimately what will happen is they'll just have to spread the wealth around their roster. You know, they've got a really top heavy roster and, as much as we could focus on all the holes and the negatives, they, they do have a really good start at this point. I mean, you've got three pitchers who could be aces, um, you know, depending on Strasburg's health, whether Corbin could bounce back, and, and of course Scherzer and um, his, his health, and also whether he can just con- continue doing it at his age. And then, you know, you've got needs in the outfield, the infield, uh, catcher, um, you know, in the rotation beyond those three guys, but you've got uh, Juan Soto, you've got Trey Turner. I mean, they've got a, a good start. I feel like they just need to add depth. So I don't know what that middle of the order bat is going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be a, in a traditional sense where it's someone who can come in and, you know, compete for the all-star game. Um, I think what you're going to ultimately see happen is them, instead of signing one or two A-grade players, get a bunch of Bs and some C-pluses, and hopefully that the, the top-end talent has have a, a collective good season and the depth is what carries them across a full year, you know, and helps them sustain injuries. Yeah, that's actually something we discussed on our last episode um, about whether they were going to maybe go all in on, you know, somebody, a big name like LeMahieu or, or somebody like that, or if they were going to try to spread it around, it seems after that, after that press conference that they are going to try to spread it around since we know they're not in on some of the guys that would be instant impact bats. But he did, Rizzo in his comments said, I'm just going to quote this for any of our listeners who didn't watch it or haven't read about it yet. He said, ownership has given me marching orders to put a championship caliber club on the field. That's my purpose. That's my focus. And that's our objective this offseason. So I don't really know how that, how that really works out as far as budget. Like, are they going to give him $200 million to spend if you want to field a championship caliber club? Or are they going to want him to tinker around the edges and do what you just mentioned, which is let's hope everybody has a max potential season and see if that works, which to me doesn't seem like a really great plan after a shortened season where nobody got the amount of reps or 
you know, nobody got the amount of work that they're used to getting. And especially with pitchers who are going to be coming off of weird, weird seasons where we saw a lot of pitcher injuries. So I, it just seems to me like maybe they're going to do that. Let's hope for the best and not really do anything to make a huge impact while we are in this weird season where they're not making a lot of money and they're not sure how many games they're going to play. Yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating question and one where there's a lot of variables and I think it'll ultimately be relative. You know, we'll see on opening day what the payrolls are like uh, around the league and the Nationals have generally been, you know, somewhere between like the 8th and 12th highest payroll. You know, maybe they still settle there while spending less because the rest of the teams around baseball are spending less. And I would guess that the, the free agent market when it's all said and done, is going to be suppressed just like it looks like it is now and everyone's predicting it will be, in part because the owners probably see an opportunity to do that. You know, they, they feel like the salaries have gotten out of hand. You know, maybe the Nationals, like I said, rank where they usually rank, but with a lower payroll. Um, another variable would be the fact that the Nationals have always been pretty aggressive in the offseason. Um, you know, there's, there's been a sort of a, a pattern to it. Usually it's after the years that they just fell short in the playoffs. This is the time that they missed the playoffs entirely, so we'll see what happens there. But there's also the factor that they won a World Series, and we're still kind of evaluating what this front office and what this ownership group, how they operate after winning a World Series. Because it was a different dynamic when, you know, they were getting so close and they were falling short, and, you know, you get to the playoffs and it would be because you didn't have the right closer and all of a sudden you knew exactly what you needed to address in the offseason. You had Ted Lerner's age that was always sort of mentioned in that conversation. You know, I wanted to see the Nationals win a World Series. Now they've won one. So over time, do we see them sort of scale things back, you know, dramatically or slightly? And I think it's a different dynamic when that goal has been achieved. Now, the Nationals, um, I think, you know, you could make the argument uh, that, you know, when you have a championship window, you need to capitalize on it. Uh, Max Scherzer is not going to be uh, a top pitcher forever. Uh, you know, Juan Soto is not going to be on a team-friendly contract forever. Uh, you got to capitalize on these things. And, and you know, I've, I've kind of argued on the National Stock Podcast that if you win one title, then that's forever in your city. But if you win more than one title, then, you know, basically the story of baseball can't be written without you. And we haven't seen very many, like, great teams in the last 20-plus years, really since the Yankees dynasty with Derek Jeter. Um, but, you know, maybe if the Nationals went all in, then they could be one of those teams that becomes more ingrained in baseball history. Yeah. And uh, hey, guys, I, I have to pause real quick. My door just flew open because of the wind. Hold on one second. <laughs> okay. Guess he's getting snow where he is. <laughs> Are you guys not getting any snow at all? We have it's very light. We have six inches on the ground already. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, no, that was just a slight ghost incident on the pod. No big deal. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted that stuck out to me during their pod, um, their interview yesterday was that Rizzo said that ideally they would like to add a first baseman. Um, we know that the Nats were in on Carlos Santana before he eventually went to the Royals. What does that mean for Zen? Um, is the team currently planning on not having Zim in 2021, or are they just trying to get someone to platoon there? So, like, what's Zim's future at this moment? I think Zim wants to play, and the Nationals feel like they could potentially fit him in, but he's not going to be a top priority, as we've seen really these last two off-seasons. I think they're going to figure out every single thing involving their roster and then turn to Ryan Zimmerman, because they know – 
uh, and, and he hasn't helped himself in this regard. They know that they have all the leverage. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman doesn't want to play for anyone else. He doesn't want to move. So they're basically his only option. And he said these things publicly. And he's even kind of joked that he's not really uh, driving as hard of a, ne- a bargain and a negotiation as he probably should if he wanted to make a bunch of money. So I think the Nationals will see what they can get. Uh, and I would, I'm sure a lot of fans would, would hope that they turn back to him. But it's, it's definitely a different dynamic this time around because the guy just took a year off. And, you know, he's not getting, getting any younger. Um, and he wasn't around the team training, you know. So I, I wonder how he was able to stay sharp, what his bat speed looks like. Um, but, I mean, he was certainly a productive player in 2019 when healthy. Um, and it was great, to, obviously, to see him have some big moments in the postseason. Um, but I would imagine they're going to try to find a better solution at first. And if they can't, then they'll turn back to him. And one thing that would hurt his cause is, as you saw in those press conferences, um, you know, Rizzo and, and Davey don't seem to think that there's going to be a designated hitter. And if there was, uh, that would, I think, help his chances of being on the team next year. Um, but we'll see. I, I just think it's going to be something that when it's settled with Ryan Zimmerman, you know, maybe we hear about it in March uh, or when spring training's beginning, whatever that uh, does happen, because right now they're talking about, of course, pushing spring training back. But um, Ryan Zimmerman, it's hard to kind of handicap what the chances are. I think it really depends on if they can find an upgrade at that position. Yeah, so I want to switch over to the other side of the infield and talk about Cardinal Kibu and kind of what yes. your thoughts are there. Um, you know, there's so many mixed messages on this. I, I think among the fan base, there's a lot of, like, we're ready to give up on this kid and find another solution, but there's always kind of happy talk from the team about he's got such great potential and we really believe in him. And it, do you expect him to be the starting third baseman this year? And if so, what are your kind of expectations for that? Well, looking at their track record, I would definitely expect them to provide some competition and not just hand him a job. Um, and whether it's third or whether maybe is it first, I don't know. I think first base is an interesting option for him. Obviously, it was surprising that the offense was his biggest issue and not necessarily the defense this past year. But I think if you move him over to first, then it simplifies things for him a little bit. It's not that it's an easy position, but it's a little less demanding than at third. So maybe that would simplify his job in general, and maybe that would help him at the plate. It would just, you know, uh, I guess change his mindset a little bit. He doesn't have to focus on as much. Maybe it's not going through his head, Um, you know, all the complicated things you have to worry about at third base. So I'd be interested to see, you know, him him play at first. Um, But as far as the fan base giving up on him, I'm not ready to. I've I've been sort of high on Carter Keeboom for a while. I bought into a lot of the hype, you know, uh, Jim Callis, I think, it was uh, compared him to Alex Bregman before he came into the league. I, I've, I've just been intrigued by him as a, a big infielder, you know, sort of like a Troy Tulowitzki, who went for power and average in the minors. Um, but certainly his stock is a little bit lower than it was a year ago after a pretty disappointing showing this past year. But I think this past year in the truncated season, I think it had to be really difficult for younger players because slumps and streaks – we're magnified and it's already difficult when you go up to the majors and you have to deal with failure for a lot of these guys for the first time in their careers. And to have that magnified, knowing that, you know, every game counted 2.7 times as much uh, because it was, uh, you know, if you divide 162 by the amount of games they played. Um, so that was definitely difficult for a young player, but I'm not giving up on him. Um, I think obviously he, this is an extremely important off season for him. 
Um, but he's definitely part of the team's future, at least in the short term. And I, I wouldn't give up on him, certainly in a trade. You know, we saw what happened with Lucas Giolito. I, th- I hope the Nationals would have learned their lesson from that, is that if you have a prospect, uh, don't sell low on them. Don't sell them, sell on them and trade them off when their stock is lowered because those guys have a lot of talent and are rated as highly as they are for a reason. Uh, you don't want to give up on that before they realize their potential. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I can't agree with that more. And also, it sounds like you're still pretty bullish on him. So I guess we'll see. It's hard to take any lessons really from last season. It was such a, a shortened, weird year where so many guys had stats that were sort of not the back of their baseball card that with young players, it's even harder to evaluate. So I, I expect we're going to see a lot of him this year. Yeah, absolutely. And one more point on that is that, um, you know, the Nationals over time have had a pretty pristine record when it comes to developing position player prospects. They've had some trouble developing pitchers. Uh, <laughs> some trouble is a good way. Some trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they're associated with pitching, but it's all come via trades essentially and free agency. I mean, they obviously drafted Steven Strasburg, but he fell into their lap. But with right. position players – for the most part, they've got a really high batting average with those guys. I mean, Michael A. Taylor is kind of maybe the most famous example of a guy who didn't live up to the hype, but he was like ranked like 36 among prospects in baseball. It's not like he came through like Bryce Harper or Juan Soto and then flopped. And he ended up being a productive player in some really big moments, right? So Victor Robles, you know, he's not, um, he hasn't realized his potential offensively, but pretty much, I mean, Harper, Rendon, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, um, They've had a lot more hits than misses. So I would bank on that with Carter Keebum, that the track record's there. They clearly have an eye for talent when it comes to position players and drafting them and developing them. And if he were to completely fall on his face, that would be a pretty big aberration when it comes to their track record developing these guys. Yeah, I think they really need him to hit also, especially where they are at now as a franchise. Um, They do have the track record, and he's shown he can hit in minors. He also just has played so inconsistently. I feel like it's kind of hard to read him. But going back a little bit, you mentioned Max. Um, He is entering the last year of his contract. Boris, in his annual press conference, like holiness that he does every single year, (laughs) said that he's going to sit down with Mr. Lerner, and they're going to talk about a lot of, of his clients, especially Max. Do you think an extension with Max is something they do, or do you think it would be even smart to do something with Max, as I think he's entering his age 36 season this year? I think it would be smart if the Nationals could get a deal done with him. I mean, because he's coming off a, a down season and maybe the price would drop. But something tells me that Max Scherzer is going to want to wait. Um, I don't know if he'll say that publicly, but he's probably going to go back to his experience when he was with the Detroit Tigers before he signed here. And he turned down an extension and he bet on himself. And he had a really good season, you know, one of these years where he uh, finished uh, with Cy Young votes and made the all-star team. And then he went into free agency and got a record contract. So if that is any indication of the future for him, um, I think he's probably going to bet on himself. And he just didn't have a very good year. I mean, he was fine. I mean, I think he probably had the best numbers of any starter in the Nationals rotation, but it wasn't a Max Scherzer season. He didn't finish with Cy Young votes or MVP votes that we're accustomed, accustomed to seeing from him. So the competitor in him, the fact that uh, all signs seem to point to him wanting to pitch for a long time. And, you know, we had Scott Boris on our podcast earlier in the offseason. We asked about uh, how long do you think Max Scherzer is going to want to pitch? And he pointed to Greg Maddox, who pitched into his 40s and who was a- a- effective into his 40s. So if Scherzer's that type of guy, 
um, and he thinks he's got five to seven more years left in the tank, uh, then I think he has every reason to want to uh, go into this contract year and try to put up much better numbers over what is, you know, we hope obviously to be a much longer and more, um, more uh, a season that is more akin to what we're used to seeing and the numbers will be more similar and, and you know, it will go beyond the ERA. He could put up the strike up numbers that he usually does. And from there, you know, maybe cash in on free agency one more time. He could also look at this as he going into his age 36 season and that may seem old, but if he can pitch like he did in 2019, you know, when he had a sub three ERA, the type of numbers we're used to seeing from him, then maybe he could cash in and get his one, his, you know, maybe his last long-term lucrative contract of his career, you know, maybe get something in the hundred million dollar range, even at that age, uh, obviously a team's probably going to be apprehensive to give him four or five years but maybe he could get the, the average annual value in the 20s when right now, if he were to take a contract now, you know, maybe that number would drop. And it's also has to be noted this offseason, uh, it probably behooves teams to sign players to long term deals. But some of these players might want to wait when there's a little bit more money to go around and the finances are better, even though we learned that the, a lot of these teams, they made money. They just didn't make as much money as they're used to making. Mm-hmm. But certainly you think it's going to be a more robust free agent market. Uh, moving forward, and then maybe uh, a guy like him could get more money on his next deal. Yeah, especially when the CBA is kind of established next year as well, and they have a little bit more clarity. Um, Chase, one question I always like to ask anyone we interview is, if you were in the driver's seat, you're you're the president of baseball operations, GM, head coach, whatever, what moves would you make, you know, if you want to be – you know, crazy with it, like Ryan and I are, and make every single move known to man, that's perfectly fine. Or if you want to have some semblance of realism, that's perfectly fine too. But if you are in the driver's seat, what moves are you making with this team? Are you moving Juan Soto to right field? Are you trading for Nolan Arenado? Anything in between? What you got? Well, I'm definitely not going to make any trades because that, I, even though I think their front office or their, um, their farm system is in better shape than some of the evaluators say, they just don't have the depth to deal from. And the first thing I would have said, uh, if you asked me a few days ago, was sign James McCann, catcher who went to the New York Mets. Yeah. Um, he got a little bit more money than I expected him to, but I thought he would have been perfect because he hits for power and the Nationals need that and they need a catcher. Um, I would sign, uh, I think I would start with signing uh, George Springer. You know, I, I've said uh, how giving one guy a lot of money is risky given all their needs. But he would just help them so much. And I think his game is going to age really well. And he would help uh, several needs in that he'd give you power. Uh, he'd give you an outfielder. And I think he'd help your defense. So the fact that you can get all those things in one and probably not have to give him a six, seven-year deal because he's already in his 30s, I would start with that. Um, and I would move Keeboom to first. I would have Ooh. Castro uh, play third. And I think I'd put Garcia at second. Um, as for the catcher, I haven't really circled back after James McCann to see what the options are there. There really aren't that many. I think like Francisco Cervelli's out there. Uh, there's some, some guys who were just, you know, mid to late thirties who didn't have great seasons last year. Um, so catcher, you know, it sounds like they want to elevate Jan Gomes a little bit and have him catch more games. Um, so, you know, maybe it's not going to be the platoon situation it was with Kurt Suzuki, but I'd get Springer. I'd put him in right field, I think, and I'd keep Juan Soto in left. Although I think Juan Soto can play right field, uh, certainly. Uh, Bullpen, it's actually in better shape than we're used to seeing, you know, at this point in the Um, Mm offseason. But if you could add a lefty, 
um, that would be great. And then as far as the starting rotation goes, um, I think you got to add a veteran somehow to, to have at least a little bit more stability, uh, you know, maybe in that fourth spot. But I would sign Carlos Rodon, uh, who was formerly of the White Sox. Mm-hmm. He was a former third overall pick, has had uh, an awful start to his career, mainly due to injuries. But I think you could probably get him cheap. And I think the reward is potentially pretty high. And I would try to find someone like that who could maybe give you what the Angels got from Dylan Bundy last year. You know, he had a a poor start to his career as a top five pick with the Baltimore Orioles, uh, but a a change of scenery. And all of a sudden he had, I think it was like a 3-2 ERA and finished with Cy Young votes. So I think you could maybe, maybe get someone like something like that out of a Carlos Rodon, maybe not to the same extent, but just a guy that is essentially a lottery ticket that's not going to cost you much, and maybe he can revive his career because the talent's obviously there. I mean, he's a lefty. When he has pitched, the strikeout numbers have been pretty good when he's healthy. Um, and, you, you know, you could use a lefty. Um, and, you know, I, I think sometimes just that, that fresh start can get guys going. Um, and maybe add a, a few guys like that because they've already got so much money committed to their rotation. I think it's over $90 million. I think it ranks first in baseball already. So you can only commit so much money to that part of your roster. And I think they need to find someone who is low, ref, low risk, potentially high reward. So Carlos Rodon's a name I would, I would hone in on. I like yeah. that one, especially well, if you sign Springer and you're trying to, you know, go a little bit less on the, on the other holes they've got. Hey, just a real quick one. Have you heard anything from the team or any of your sources about Strasburg? I feel like it's just total radio silence on how his recovery is going. Yeah, not much on that front, um, and it's pretty interesting because that injury, I mean, I think we, we all have watched baseball enough to know that there are certain injuries that are bad news, there are certain injuries that aren't a big deal. That one I just don't have much of a, you know, a book on. I guess David Price had it a few years ago and came back okay, but um, it's anytime you hear nerves, it just seems like it's going to be an unpredictable thing moving forward. Um, but certainly whatever happens there, um, the, the Nationals' future success is going to be highly contingent on that because um, Max Scherzer, again, you know, is getting up there in age. I think he's going to be a good pitcher for a while. But Steven Strasburg, you've com- committed so much money. And one thing that the Nationals have really been able to avoid throughout this window of competing for the division titles in the postseason is they've been able to avoid having a bad mammoth pitcher contract or really a bad contract in general. I mean, obviously Jason Wirth couldn't stay healthy some years. Ryan Zerman's contract at times didn't look too great, but if you sign a starting pitcher and that guy can't stay healthy or can't be effective, it can be absolutely crippling. I mean, look at Felix Hernandez in uh, Seattle. What happened there? Matt Cain in San Francisco. Um, If you sign one of those guys to a big deal and they don't give you value, then it can be a huge roster building obstacle. So that's going to be uh, probably the most interesting storyline going into spring training is how does he look. Now, the fact that it isn't a shoulder or an elbow sounds good, but it's just one of those injuries that, like I said, I, just, I don't know too much about because I haven't car- covered many players with that type of injury. So um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that conversation at this point. Um, but certainly um, what happens moving forward is going to be a big deal for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot at stake with Strauss's health, especially with that contract. Um, Jay, so we like to end all of our interviews we do here with a fun question to end on. Um, I was going to ask about Russell Westbrook, 
but we already know he's going to be the GOAT this year, so that's okay. Um, so <laughs> if you had one bold prediction for the Nationals in 2021, what would it be? Bold prediction for the Nationals in 2021. Um, I feel like saying Juan Soto is going to win the MVP isn't a bold prediction, although I think that will happen. Uh, <laughs> Trey, Trey Turner making the all-star team, that's not too bold of a prediction either. Um, I'll go back to Carter Keboom. You know, I've been uh, really positive uh, with my outlook on him. I think he'll play first base and I think he'll have a strong season where he'll hit 280. I don't know if that's a bold prediction. 280 and uh, 19 homers. I mean, after last, se- after last season, it certainly is, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. I think he'll, he'll take a step forward enough where it, 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 people are, are getting back on the bandwagon for him. And I think if he had 19 homers and hit 280, uh, that would be not just a moderate step forward uh, based on the Huge. context of the expectations. I think that would be really encouraging, and that's, that's what I'll go with. You know, last year going into the 40-game season, my bold prediction was that he would hit two, uh, 10 homers, which was in a 40-game season <laughs> are, uh, was pretty uh, – or, sorry, 60-game season, right? Yeah. Yeah, 60-game yeah, season. So I said 10 homers in 60-game season was the equivalent of 27 home runs. So it was a pretty bold prediction, and he fell way short of that. Um, but So I'll, I'll lower my expectations a little bit, but I think if he were to do those things, that would be – that would be surprising to a lot of people, and maybe they would uh, get back on his side. They would I mean, do. I, like I would it. get back on his side. It yeah. takes very little for me to get on the bandwagon. I'm the homer of the group here, so I'll <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, once again, that was Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington. You guys can find him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBC, NBCS, and make sure to check out his podcast. Podcast, excuse me, um, Nationals Talk. Chase, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, hopefully the ghost doesn't swing open your door again. (laughs) Absolutely. That was fun. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chase. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Once again, uh, very big thank you to Chase Hughes for coming on, taking time out of his day. Um, I know he's a very busy man, especially with the NBA season starting back up. Uh, Chase was fantastic. Hope to have him on. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. And to all you heaters, especially those fella heaters out there, support for Half Street High Heat is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So last week I talked about the Lawnmower 3.0. I want to go into a little bit more detail about it because I need to I need to sell you guys on this, right? For all my fella heaters out there, if you do not have the lawnmower, specifically the lawnmower 3.0, you are missing out, truly. You know, I talked about the flashlight last week, which is a game changer, but let me give you some other talking points. Completely waterproof, all right? So if you want to do it in the shower, minimize the mess, perfect, right? Also, charging stand. So, you know, it, you never have to worry about, oh, crap, I need, a, I need to charge my, my lawnmower. Perfectly charged. Super easy and 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke, right? That won't be the only quiet stroke going on. Um, like it is the perfect tool for you and Half Street High Heat has you covered. Use promo code HSHH20, so Half Street High Heat 20, 
on Manscaped, you get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. You get both. Not one or the other, you get both. You know, by the time you're listening to this, Christmas only a couple days away. But if you just want to treat yourself, right, you deserve something nice. Nick from Half Street High Heat is telling you, you deserve something nice. That something nice is the Lawnmower 3.0. You absolutely need to get it, right? It's going to be your bestie for your testes. I promise you that. <laughs> okay. Nice. Lawnmower that was 3.0. A good one. All right. Is it draft time? Or I guess it's ranking time first, right? It is. It is ranking, ranking time. time. Okay. So it's ranking season, everyone. We talked about this last week. And as you know, it's ranking season. It's the best time of year. Actually, draft season is the best time of year, especially for fantasy football. Um, so this week, we're going to do second base and first base. We're going to do our top four at each. Um, so I'm Googling random. Yeah, we got to randomize. Yeah. Random number uh, generator. Gotcha, I was gotcha. trying to stall with my nice long intro right there. Um, well, we <clears> want to point out these are our Manscaped polls of the week. So these will be out on the Half Street High Heat Twitter account. If you want to yeah. vote on which of our uh, rankings you you think is best, you can go out and do that or give whenever us your we own. get them posted. Yes, you know, and please do. People give us... were not shy to tell us that our ranking sucked. They did, season. but nobody uh, gave their own. So that's right. easy. Like throwing stones is fine, but let's see your stones. Tell us what. Tell well, us what you, ever, you think. Have you ever been on Twitter? Every time there's a list, like, this is terrible, but no one says yeah. this. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Have you been on Twitter? It's a cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> so I got our order. I think it was the same one as last week. I got an order for second base and first base. Uh, Nick is going to get started, then Amanda, and then I will close each ranking out. Damn, I wanted first pick for the Christmas song draft, not for this one. Um, all right, so I'll get it started. So we're going to start with second base. Is that what we're doing? Second base. Okay. <clears throat> so second base, uh, just to you know, clarify, there's a couple of people that – I guess, qualify at multiple positions. Um, so if, uh, like, you don't think that that plays, just let me know. But I think it does. Oh, I've got There's, one person into both of these, so that plays. I, I think I technically have two, but I'm pretty sure they both majority. Well, I'll just start it off, and we'll just go from there. Um, so number four, and I may uh, – so I, I struggle with number four because I struggle between Ozzy Albies and Cattell Marte. Because I do think Cattell Marte is very good, but we don't have the sample size. And Ozzie Albies has been solid, but I don't rank him above, you know, widely above anyone else in that kind of four to seven range. So I guess I'll go Ozzie Albies just because of the sample size. He's been super consistent, and I think he's only going to get better. And he gets overshadowed by Ronald Acuna, which... You know, it sounds like a negative, but I think that's also kind of a positive. He doesn't have to be the guy, and he can just be a pillar to that Braves team. Um, so very good. Number three, I have Max Muncy, who was kind of that – he plays some first base, plays some second base. You think that one – does that one play? He's more that of plays. a first baseman. Okay. So I if, think it works. If he plays both positions, you, you can no, put him in either position. If he plays the majority of your games at one position, that's the position we'll go with for this. Because there's like Cody Ballinger and a couple other. Yeah, I haven't looked up the splits though. So if we don't, if we want to use Max Muncy for first base, that's fine. I just don't think we should use them in both lists. Oh, okay. Well, I have one guy in both my lists. So. I agree. 
Um, so right. I'll, I'll leave Max Muncy off and I'll just go um, Cattell Marte four and Ozzy Albies three. I'm, I'm fine with that because I couldn't decide on them anyways. So I'll talk about a little Cattell Marte as well. Um, he had a phenomenal season in 2019. And, you know, for the most part, we're just throwing 2020 out unless it helps our argument. Um, so Cattell Marte is one of the more underrated players in baseball. I think, was he top three or top five in MVP voting for 2019? Ryan, do you remember? I think he was five. Yeah, so still very, very good. And I think, you know, with more of a normal offseason and normal season under his belt, we're going to see him expand on that. But definitely a top-tier second baseman. So <clears throat> jumping to number two, because Ozzy Albies jumps to three, I have DJ LeMahieu, um, arguably number one, but – Gold glove defense. He's a hit machine. He did it in uh, Colorado, and everyone said it was a Colorado thing. Then he signed uh, a cheap deal to go to New York, and he did nothing but do the same thing but better in New York. Uh, number two in MVP voting. Like, dude is a hit machine. I want the Nats to get him, and I don't care if they have to enter a bidding war to do it. Um, but number one has been – you know, a primary target of mine forever. And speaking of cheap contracts, this dude has the most team-friendly contract for his production ever, and that's Whit Merrifield. I would trade Keyboom, Robles, whoever the Royals wanted for Whit Merrifield. Whit deserves so much better. Um, not that the Nats are that much better of a situation than the Royals, but, you know, it is an upgrade nonetheless. And Whit Merrifield is my number one second baseman. Wow. I thought for sure it would be LeMahieu. All right. I just love what Merrifield. I know he does, you've, been, he does, you've been beating that drum for a while. But he does the same thing LeMahieu does, but he also steals bases, which is such an underrated thing. But he's yeah. top of the lineup guy. He gets on base, but he can also put him, put himself in the scoring position. Can you imagine a lineup with Whit Merrifield and Trey Turner? Yeah, that would. That's be, sexual. Yeah, that would be. That would be. That would be fun. That would be a lot of. Yeah. That would be a lot of havoc on the base paths. That would be. Yeah. Awfully fun to watch. Okay. I've got my four, which are the same as yours, but in a different order. Um, I struggled with Ozzy Albies and Cattell Marte as well. Um, I went with um, Cattell Mar or with Ozzy Albies four. Um, yeah, I, don't, I just felt like this one could have gone either way, but he was, yeah. he had injuries last year, and of course, last year, as we've said a million times, was a weird year, so it's kind of hard to evaluate him. But I just I felt like Cattell Marte, Marte had a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's he regressed. He regressed in 20 as well. So it's just really tough for me. I hate to throw out the most recent sample size that you have. But like you said, you kind of just do it if it works for your argument. And then you know, if you, you use it when it works, really and don't convenient. use it when it doesn't. It is. It's yeah. super duper convenient. <laughs> so um, then I've got um, I've got what Maryfield second. And um, I like him a lot as well, but I just could not put him over DJ LeMahieu. I, I just think he's so clearly the, the top second baseman in baseball right now. Um, I super can't wait to see where he ends up and what he does next year. But it doesn't look like it's going to be here, unfortunately. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see if he can keep up the production he's been showing with the Yankees. And Yankees and I still are think broke, he, so he's coming yeah. to the Nats. Yeah, that's it. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> All right. What you got, Ryan? Yeah, second base is the worst position in baseball. Like, yes, that it is. 
there is no good talent here. Um, I've been debating on basically just not doing a fourth. Um, and I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe maybe I could just do Luis Garcia and be funny. And I was like, well, maybe I'll do Danny Espinosa. <laughs> um, but I guess for the sake of this, I'll do Cattell Marte. Um, he had a fantastic year and then regressed big time. That fantastic year is kind of all he has. But I'll still give him the credit. Like said, benefit of the doubt, he is good. I do think he bounces back for 20. 20- 21 so i have him at number four um number three i do have albies um very underrated like you guys have said he's also very consistent he's a good hitter good defensively and he could steal some bases so he does have some tools there also has a very friendly team contract um well, actually him and the community both do great gm there by the way um so <laughs> i have him at number three number two i do have wit merrifield um absolutely fantastic he's kind of wasting his career on the Royals. And it's really upsetting um, because he's so good. Not enough people appreciate him, but I do have him at number two only because DJ LeMayo exists and DJ LeMayo and well, I guess the other two are good too. DJ LeMayo is by far away the best second baseman in baseball. There's all those people who are like, well, it's the course effect. We don't do it. And then DJ completely shatters the fake course effect um, puts on a, sh- a show in new york and we all know he's going back to new york because why wouldn't he um so yeah i have dj lemayu at number one all right yeah that's probably the right answer i just wanted to go with wit so i can't wait to get roasted on twitter when this goes gonna happen gonna happen so are we in the same order for first base then i'm saying are we like same draft order Um, same rankings order yeah we can go reverse yeah Yeah. since i just went okay Um, Again, I have a tough time with first base. I couldn't really think of who to do for my fourth one. Um, I just went Pete Alonso just because how many dongs he hit in 2019. Um, I do think Pete's potential is unreal. He did not hit 30 home runs this year like my hot take said he would, but that's okay because he'll probably still hit over 40 home runs this year. He has a ton of potential. He's young and he's very good in a lineup that should get a lot better this year. So we should see what else he can do. Um, Number three, I have Matt Olson, extremely underrated because he plays in Oakland. Um, He had 36 home runs in 2019 with a cool OPS of 900. Um, He did get some MVP votes and he won a gold glove in 2019. He also had 14 home runs last year. So it's Matt Pop. He had 36 home runs in Oakland. You can hit the damn ball. Um, number two is the AL MVP, Jose Abreu. Finally had the coming out party that we knew he was about to happen. He kept flirting with it, and then it finally all came together. You win the AL MVP. You're going to be in the top two at your – well, you would be number one, but there's just someone else better than you at your position. Um, so he is number two. And number one, the clear, obvious answer for the best first baseman in baseball, that is Freddie Freeman. Like I said, you win the MVP, you're usually one, unless the NL MVP, who's better than you, is there. And that's Freddie Freeman. Um, don't really think I have Yeah, to what say. do you need to yeah. say? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's nothing to say. I have a feeling we're all yeah. going to have the same get, number one. We, we see him 19 times a year. Everyone knows what he does. So Yeah, yeah and Freddie he does Freeman it to the Nats one. more than he does it to anyone else. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I've got – I got Cody Bellinger number four. I feel like he was a pretty big disappointment last year but so were a lot of players and you know so i'm had, not i don't mean to jump in but he's i put a, him in center 
He's a right. Or yeah, I put him in outfield. Yeah, he played yeah, 900 include. innings and in right in 2019 and only 100 at first. So I have him as a right fielder. All right. Well, I put him in my first bank rank, base rankings because I feel like if you're ranking people who can play first base, I think he's up there. Well, then so, I would have had Max Muncy in my second base list. All right. Well, I said you could. So <laughs> anyway, I think he's I, I just think that. Bellinger, if you look at his 2019 and his 2020, they were wildly different. But if you split the difference and just expect to get it, he's, he's still an excellent player, even if you're not expecting what he had in 2019. And of course they finally won the world series. So maybe the, the curse of the postseason is broken for him. Cause he had some pretty bad postseason performances prior to prior to this past season. But um, I, I've got him as my number, as my number four. Uh, number three, I went with Pete Alonzo. That guy just hits jacks like it's his job because it is his job. Um, he's got so much potential. He's young. He's he's fun, too. I just I like his personality. He seems like a good guy to root for. And um, I think he's got a lot of really good years left in him. Uh, number two, I went with Jose Abreu. And uh, I just I don't know. I feel like the White Sox are an up and coming team. I it just. I feel like we're going to see oh, some that's really a hot take. stuff from that. Well, obviously that's not a hot take, but I'm just saying you're going to see a lot of good stuff. And I feel like once you, once the team believes in themselves, then you start seeing guys do things that maybe you wouldn't have seen them do before. So I just think, I think he's going to have a big year. So sorry, I guess we'll, was the hot take that the White Sox are an up and coming team. Oh, sorry. I was, <laughs> I was playing Call of Duty. Sorry. Okay. Yes, I know. Priorities, priorities. And number one is obviously Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Um, so I think when you get to, I think one and two are obvious. It's Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu. And I don't think much needs to be said. And I don't think much you can say much to dispute that. Like if you want to dispute Jose Abreu, I guess you could. But right now, I mean, You'd he just won AL MVP. Like he's very clearly the best first baseman in the AL. And I can't think of anyone outside of Freddie Freeman in the NL that, you know, clearly is better than Jose Abreu. So one and two for me are Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu, respectively. And then, you know, three through seven can kind of be, you know. Just throw a dart and pick one. Yeah, just exactly. So number three, I'm going backwards here. Number three, I have Matt Olson. I love Matt Olson. You know, it's he just also has an aesthetically pleasing swing. He's a lefty, Mm -hmm. and just seeing him swing the bat is just so, you know, just so – like beautiful to me um but like ryan said he just won a gold glove he has a pop and he has ops to back it up so it's not just like one facet of offense he he's pretty well-rounded um and again he plays defense so i think he's firmly entrenched in that number three spot at least in my opinion and number four you know i think pete alonzo is a fine choice i think even if you wanted to go anthony rizzo or I, I guess maybe I Paul Goldschmidt. Well, I completely forgot about Rizzo. Uh, <laughs> you could maybe toy with Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, but he's definitely not the same player that he, he was. Um, but number four for me, I went Luke Voigt. Uh, oh. I, I think, you I know, in t- five. yeah, 2018, when he kind of came onto the scene, everyone's like, oh, is he just one of these players the Yankees find that has like a good, you know, second half stretch, two thirds of season. And then he came back in 2019 and did it. And he was good last season. Uh, he was injured one of those years, but you know, I think he's for real is kind of what I'm saying. So I'm going to uh, allow him to slot into that number four spot because he does have the power. He plays a fine first base. It's not anything to write home about, but 
uh, I'm looking for upside, and I think you know Rizzo and Goldschmidt are definitely passive primes, whereas Voit is entering his prime, so that's why I have him at number four over those other guys. And Alonzo, Alonzo could probably be number four, and I'd be fine with it. It's just recency bias, I guess. All right. I like it. So we'll get those up on Twitter for you guys to vote on. And then uh, rather than just throwing tomatoes at us, if you don't like our picks, tell us yours. And uh, now for the moment we've all been waiting for, which oh, is the real boy. reason, the real oh, reason for this whole episode, which is go. our Christmas song draft. Are we doing snake draft? Is that how we're going to? Snake yes, draft. Five five actually, snake draft. Five songs? Okay. okay. Five. five. Okay. Woo, here we are. Let's do this, boys. Oh, man. Okay. Who's right. going first? Is it is it me or are we randomizing again? Now let's let's do let's do another one. Let's do another one. Oh, oh cuz you don't want to pick last. I mean, I I like I like the back-to-back picks, but let's That's true. Yeah. It, um, it's only fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Land them. I I closed the tag. Give me like 2 seconds. Oh, he, do you want me to do it so I can share my screen or are we no, doing honor I, system I got, here? Yeah. <laughs> are we doing honor system? Well, if if I have second, I'm going to do it again cuz I don't want the second pick. So not yeah, on our look at that. Okay, <laughs> so our order is Amanda first. So Little Drummer Boy is going to be the first pick. Nick uh, second, and me third. So no, okay. All right, all right, all right. I can work with that, even though I hate second pick, but I can work with it. I'm still going to win. Okay, are we ready? Uh, yeah, I'm going to write this down as we go. Okay, go for it. All right, sleigh ride. Best Christmas song ever. It's catchy. It's fun. It's fast paced. It's about being out and seeing all the people you love and hanging out with your friends and family on Christmas. It's nostalgic. I love it. It's my favorite Christmas song. Sleigh Which Ride. Version? The Run That. Oh, yes. And can we be specific that you yes, can only, there's like, only oh, yeah, I'm sorry. if the song gets picked, all versions are taken. Damn. Like, so I don't, you know, I don't think we can draft, like two people can't draft the same song, even though it's by different people. Can oh, I gotcha, gotcha. One song. No like doubling you, up. Yeah, you pick, you know, one version of the song, but all the other versions are off, if that makes sense. Yep, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I, I think oh, that's only so, fair. I'm so scared now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know why I had any qualms about picking second as opposed to first, because I could always count on Amanda to blow a first pick. Ah, uh, <laughs> so I th- I've debated this long and hard, and I've already done this once to win a poll, so my shame is officially out the window. I am going forward with pandering, and I'm going Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas I need the Christmas tree. I loathe that song. I loathe. It says I- something when every single year, like, one person can just – like live and retire off a song that's played you know 36 days i hear you part of it is also the meme but that song just bumps right and and it's also you know like a pop singer so it's like on the radio often you know that song epitomizes christmas like you you think christmas Christmas. no i'm not like the lyrics but you think christmas you think about that song it's just natural mariah carey marketing genius uh, all right what you got ryan um so i'm torn between a couple because there's some absolute bangers but like a good gm you gotta get your guys this right. is a tough draft this is it tough. is it's hard because there's a lot of options yeah they're just there's great versions right um there's like specific version of songs that are great to me so like i i gotta do what i gotta do and my first pick is gonna be a song that 
the first note is just Christmas. Like, I absolutely love this song. Um, and it's Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Oh, like, the first one. couple notes, fantastic. The entire song's incredible. And that song's just Christmas. Love Darlene Love. Absolutely love her voice. The greatest Christmas song of all time. And that's my favorite Christmas song. So that's why I'm going it. Um, my second one, I know you guys aren't going to pick, but I lose my mind when the song comes on the radio and I don't know why. Um, but I absolutely love this song. Mainly probably it's because it's from the Grinch. That's my favorite Christmas. Oh, it. that was my next <laughs> one. Damn it. It's Where Are You Christmas? Not oh. the girl, not oh, the girl okay. from Gossip Girl singing it, but Faith Hill's version because Faith Hill's just got some freaking pipes on her, man. And she, she can does. sing it. And whenever I hear that, I just put my entire heart into it and I nail it if i ever try out for american idol or america's got talent i ain't gonna perform um, where i feel like Christmas? if you're gonna make a claim like that we need to hear it right now don't you think that i mean i don't want to put ryan on the spot yeah, i do want to put I, ryan on the spot i we, we all know i love singing on on this pod like that's we just, do know that prove it just, well i i i would have to sing at the beginning and i didn't and that just it really threw me off <laughs> all right yeah. Um, well, now I know right. what you're going to take next. So, yeah, Amanda definitely showed her cars. I was going to pick it in the later rounds, but I, I was too, I was, but I it was gotta, on my list. I got to pick my, my, my guy. You got to get your guy, even if it is a, a reach, but even though, you know, I know this, I got to go. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, so good. You, you just, you have to, you have to. So Grinch, it's, you know, as good, it's all, as good as Mariah Carey's is bad. That all is how good that pick is. three Grinch movies are solid and for different reasons, you know, like even the newest one, you would think, you know, there already is an animated one. I loved the newest one. The newest one was awesome, but there's only the, one the, as far as I'm concerned. It's the the common, the common theme yeah, the is, original is the Jim Carrey one. Yeah. No, no the Jim Carrey one. What? Yes, no. um, the original was invented by Jim Carrey. And you can okay. Excuse oh. me. This is this is my turn to talk. Um, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Is the common theme. It's such a great song. You know, the Grinch. Any version is a top Christmas movie. So you know, you kind of get to double dip. You get the Christmas movie audience with it as well. So that's my second pick. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Well, I am devastated to have lost that one because I love that song. It is one of my all-time favorite Christmas ones, and uh, I love that movie. So I guess I'm going to go with what would have been my next pick after that one, which was Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt. She is such a fabulous singer. I love her voice. I love that song. It is such a Christmas classic. So that is my number two. Okay. What about your number three? Um, let me think. I'm torn between going with something really traditional. I don't, I'm not real religious, so I don't do a lot of the like religious Christmas songs, but um there are a couple that I really like, but I think for my third, I'm going to go with the Christmas song by Nat King Cole, oh, the which first is, note in that is just that's good. Oh my God. I love that song so much. It's just so sweet and it just makes you feel like Christmas and it's such a good one. So that's my number three. Yeah. There, you know, there's a couple of songs where I really like want to get them, but there's just so many like, uh, I'm not going to be happy with any five. Like, I'm going to feel like I missed out on no, some, whether exactly. I just got left off my list or one of you took it. Like, I'm going to feel like I missed something. So from here on out, it's kind of just like preference. Um, I don't think Ryan's going to take it, but it's just one of those ones where I want it. And I'm trying to 
think of what version to get, but I'm going to go Melatoy Tamaka. You don't have Tamaka. to pick a version because as soon as you pick one, the other versions are all off That's the true. This is true. So I'm going to pick uh, Melakaliki Maka um, just because it, it's fun to say. And, that is fun. Uh, it's, and it's just like so useful. Like like it's a Christmas song, but it kind of like transcends that genre as well. Like, And it's just fun to say. Like Melakaliki Maka. Like it's just it's fun. It, it's an upbeat song. And like I do like those older Christmas songs, like the more in your feels Christmas songs and like the Christmassy Christmas songs. But this mm-hmm. one's just fun. And I like that. So I'm going Melakaliki Maka. And you get to keep saying that, which is awesome. Exactly. This is, exactly. This is tough. Like there's so it's many so good, tough. <laughs> there's so many good songs. Like I'm trying to say, like, do I want to go the classics that are always good? Right. Right. Do I want to go Michael Bublé, who invented Christmas, or do I go with the songs that I personally like? So I'm going to go with the songs I personally like because it's Christmas and everyone's selfish at Christmas. So um, <laughs> that's, that's um, the meeting, the reason for the season, selfishness. 100%. So I'm going to go Santa Claus is Coming to Town because Bruce yeah. Bruce's version of that is fantastic. Um, and also it's a classic, you know? Like you got to have it. I like Bruce Springsteen's version is my favorite version. Um but it's a classic. There are no bad versions of that song. Next one, um, I'm going to go a little different. I am going Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They have a lot of great songs. Oh, uh, no. The Christmas Eve 24-7 is like, dun, 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 yep. dun, 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 Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good one. Um, no, that's it kind of gets you rocking, and you're like, yeah, Christmas. Like, Christmas! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> fun fact, in fifth grade, I played cello and i was actually really good at cello <laughs> and i mastered the intro to that song and it was really good but then i thought cello was stupid so i stopped playing it but i could play this entire song on the cello so that's my fourth pick is christmas eve by trans orchestra all right uh man this is tough because like i want to be well-rounded like i have one you know pop song i have one you know like nostalgia song one fun song there's a bunch of other fun songs that i want Fine. to grab we'll do like there's 20 so rounds. many we need like 20 <laughs> rounds there's so many other fun songs that i want to grab but i know like i'm gonna at least get one of like the four or five i'm debating on so i'm gonna grab my like feel good uh Christmassy Christmas song. Um I I'm gonna go White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Mm. It's just like classic. Yeah. Classic. It, it, yeah you gotta it's have one. You can't have right. a list without at least one of those like rat pack beautiful Christmas right. songs. Right. Yeah that I'm just gonna go with it. I it's self explanatory, but it's that it's the classic Christmas song for me where it's just like, yeah, it is Christmas. <sighs> Yeah, it's a good choice. So I'm down to my last two, and I'm kind of torn because I really want to have one of those, like, Rat Packy songs. I've got a couple of others that I love. And then I was like, do I throw one of the, like, religious Christmas songs? Because there are a couple that I really like. And then I have one pop song that I also really like that's vastly superior to Mariah Carey's. And uh, I have to decide. I only get two of the three. So I'm going to go with Let It Snow. By Frank Sinatra. You can't, 
you got to have Sinatra on the list. You can't have a Christmas I love song Sinatra. Like that. Sinatra. Andy I Martin. love Sinatra too. Yeah, Andy. I, I thought about winter. Yeah, I won't say. Anyway, um, my last one that I'm down to, do I go pop or do I go with the very traditional religious song? And I think I'm just going to go with the pop song because it's a jam. And every time I hear it come on the radio, I get all excited, which is Wham's Last Christmas. Damn it. Yeah. What? Wham. Yeah. I love Wham. Wham. Anything that they do, they can do no wrong in my world. So, Christmas. I mean, Careless Whisper is oh, an all-time, so all-time. Even just Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, is it a silly pop song? Yes, it is, but it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so much fun. Do I love saying it? Absolutely. Do I love it? I love everything about it. I love George Michael. I'm sad that he died recently. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. George Michael. Whoa, whoa, anyway, whoa, that's my last whoa, one. Whoa, whoa, Tell whoa. me you knew George Michael died. Uh, what? <laughs> How this did was you a miss couple that? years ago. Was it like a year and a half or two uh, years ago? I thought yeah. you said recently. I was like, my God, where was that? Well, I mean, that's pretty recent. <laughs> As, yeah, fairly recent. So I'm finishing up my list with last Christmas. So yeah. right. I think it's a good list. Let me hear what you got. This is tough. It, Ryan, yeah, Ryan still picks after me, but I I guess, no, I got to do all my honorable mentions now because this is, I need to talk this out loud. Um, So... This is kind of my wild card pick. It's just I'm going with my gut feeling, and my gut feeling is fun. I want something, you know, that I like singing, which I like singing a lot of these. But, uh, you know, I I like Run Run Rudolph. Um, oh, a good one. I love, you know, Jingle Bell Rock. Hell, I even like the in-sync song where it's like Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. I, I love that one. And happy uh, holidays. It's like you, we you, got we some knew, Ryan singing after all. Right. We knew this draft was going to be hard, but when you actually do your research and see all the, the available options, it makes it that much tougher. I love Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Oh, that's um, such a good one. I was going to go um, Feliz Navidad. But I feel like it was kind of in the same lane Not as a really good song. I mean, it's like it's catchy and you sing it when you hear it because you know right. that one part. But it's like not it's not objectively a very good song. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't going to go that, but I felt like it was in the same lane as Melikalikimaka. So ultimately, I decided on uh, Christmas Don't Be Late because mm-hmm. I love saying hoop my favorite part oh also honorable mention i want a hippopotamus for christmas ah that's another good one yeah my kids love that song i i I catch myself saying hula hoop all the time i mean it's so how could you not and that's like really the only part of the song i care about but it's like my favorite line in any christmas song as well so i I gotta go with all right all right take us home ryan all right so There's a lot of ways I can go. I can go um, Happy Xmas War is Over, but then again, I don't want to be associated with John Lennon's baggage. So I love that <laughs> song, but I can't have that baggage. So I'm like, I'm not going to go there. I could go Let It Snow, but shout out climate mm-hmm. change. It doesn't snow here anymore. And um, I already took that one, so mm-hmm. you can't take that one. I was looking at my notes. I guess you did. Anyways, um, <laughs> Santa tell me about Ariana Grande, but then again, I don't be associated with Ariana Grande. Um, and I like I could go the Jackson Five because like who doesn't love Jackson Five? And yeah, they don't have any baggage. No, um, nothing at all. <laughs> I can't think of a single reason why you would want to be associated with Michael Jackson. Um, no. 
Um, so I'm like thinking about like where do I want to go? I could go rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh, uh, I love that one too. But- good one. Rocking around. Christmas tree. I'm like, do I want to go Bublé? Because I love me some Bublé. Oh, he is so good. And yeah. And like Harry Connick Jr. has some jams too. Like, he's got yeah, some good Christmas he's Bublé. Anyways, um, but I think we're gonna go to the song that just sums up this entire year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's upbeat. It's a classic. It's in like 30,000 Christmas mm-hmm. movies, and Andy Williams knows how to make a banger. So I'm closing out with it's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. Well, I have to say I have a couple of honorable mentions, too, which is There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays, Perry Como's version. So good. I love that song, but it didn't make my list because you got to make some tough decisions when there's only five rounds. Yep. Facts. Yep. And uh, also, had I gone with one of the religious songs I was considering, I really like Do You Hear What I Hear. My daughter loves that song. She wants me to sing it to her all the time at Christmas. She just thinks it's hilarious that the lamb is talking to the little boy she like can't get over that and always wants me to be like so the lamb tells the little boy like she's very literal so that one makes we all messed up by not picking christmas eve in washington that's all i gotta say yeah the pandering really fell short by not choosing that one although (laughs) i don't really that song is only just mediocre at best i don't know yeah it's a terrible song but it is where all your dreams come true that's what they say that's what they say so this was fun i like it um, I'm really curious to hear what all of our listeners think when they vote in to see whose uh, rankings they liked the best. And uh, I do want to hear everybody else's. So when you guys chime in on Twitter, make sure you tell us your favorite Christmas songs and how stupid we are for not choosing them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we want to hear. <laughs> that's exactly what, well, it's what's going to happen. So I figured I might as well just get ahead of it. <laughs> all right. What else have we got? Just our one big thing. Yep. I'm going first this week on my one big thing, which is hockey. Hockey is back. The announcement came from the NHL today that they're going to be starting their season on January 13th. It's going to be six games, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be – we're finally going to get hockey back. I have been hating life without having hockey. It feels so weird to have this time of the year with no hockey going on. So um, very exciting. The new – if you guys haven't checked it out yet, if you care about hockey, the new – um, divisions that they created are crazy and the caps have a crazy hard schedule they play the penguins eight times it's going to be a crazy season i have no idea what to expect from the caps now because you know Samsonov had some atv accident and, like broke his back or something in the off season and now we don't have um henrik lundquist and if you haven't heard, he has some kind of heart condition that's going to prevent him from playing this year. So best wishes to him. Sucks he's not going to be with the Caps, but hope he recovers fully and quickly. So it's it's really up in the air. It's going to be a weird season for the Caps, but I am here for every moment of it. Welcome back, hockey. Um, so I'll keep mine uh, actually geared towards baseball, which is this podcast is about. Um, yeah, that's like devil's advocate, but um, this is a baseball pod. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just it's to also piggyback off that. Song pod, so. just, to, just to piggyback off that. Oh, like you don't want to have some Christmas spirit on your baseball pod. Come on, Amanda. Um, <laughs> but it's pretty telling. So there was a report, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you mentioned this in your weekend review, but there was a report you that. You don't listen the, to each other at all. During the, this no, <laughs> well, that was like also like an hour ago at this point. So you're asking me to remember an hour ago. Like, good luck. Um, but. There's a report that the baseball season might be pushed back to like May and not start on time, which I guess like we kind of all, it, it's not like the most shocking news, 
but also it's just pretty telling that baseball just doesn't have their act together. Like we saw it last year with the CBA and, you know, COVID protocols and stuff, but it's even more telling that like they've had the most time to get it right out of any of the four major sports. And it could be argued that they got it the most wrong out of the, the four major sports. Yeah. Most wrong, wrongest, whatever, you know, out of the four major sports as well. And now they they're in their full off season, you know, NHL, NBA had an abbreviated off season. So it makes sense that, you know, their 2021 seasons are impacted because of it, because they just didn't have enough time. Baseball's, you know, time frame wasn't really impacted and they're still not in all likelihood going to start on time. It just goes to show that they don't have their act together and anyone hoping for a 2022 season to start on time, it's a pipe dream because there's going to be a lockout. They can't get anything right. And, you know, it's just, it's hurting the game. You are actively killing the game because you can't get your act together. And, you know, you just have a bunch of old white people in charge who just only care about profit margins and cutting costs. And they don't care about the, you know, actual benefit of the sport, the benefit of the players, the thing that actually drives in that money that you love so much. They don't care. And it's just it's killing your sport. You're burying your sport between behind the other three major sports. I mean, at some point, Americans are going to end up like getting soccer more than baseball just because at the rate the you know, commissioner and owners are going. And it's just absolutely a disgrace. I want to piggyback on that by saying F you Rob Manford. I'm just gonna throw that out. <laughs> All right. Ryan, your turn. Yeah, you know, um so I'm gonna piggyback off of something I said in my week review. Um Major League Baseball needs to figure out what they're doing. There's a lot of issues that this sport has and there's a lot of things that they're doing wrong. And one of the things in my big thing that kind of bothered me um, as I touched up on it in my week review, it was when Major League Baseball this week announced that they were um, declaring the Negro Leagues to be a major league. Their press release said they're correcting an oversight. This this wasn't an oversight. Like Major League Baseball, like that's what really made me mad was that it was strategically done that way, not for it to be a major league, right? Like I, I hope everyone who saw that understood that it was done on purpose for them not to be a sep- a major league. They were held back for a reason, and there was a lot of damage Major League Baseball done, and them saying they're correcting an oversight, I feel like was really insulting um, and kind of just goes along with a lot of the stereotypes people say about Major League Baseball, its fans, and its players. And to me, this isn't enough. Like it's a good move. It's about time that it was recognized, but major league baseball needs to do a lot more because there's a lot of the dark history. Major league baseball has that is still kind of alive in the sport. A today. lot, <laughs> a lot. And it's alive in the sport today. And the fact that they said they're correcting an oversight when it was far from an oversight, it wasn't overlooked. This was very strategically done by major league baseball in the past. And to say correcting an oversight was a little insulting. And that's my one big thing is they need to start actually doing stuff to correct this because this was the easy move. It was correct. It was a great thing to step in the right direction, certainly. But they have a lot more work to do. If, you know, if you think about it, yeah, the, the NBA has the biggest superstars and they do the best job at marketing their players, but you know, with the actual, you know, 
state of the NBA, you have the super teams, right? The Their league is dominated by, you know, the team LeBron is on, you know, the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving joining up and all this stuff, yet they're still succeeding. You know, their COVID, I mean, they built their own city, but it was a success, you know? But I think the overarching theme is they're just a much more forward-thinking sport than baseball. Baseball is stuffy, and I think we've used that word before, but it's just so stuffy and this is the game this is the way the game should be played and, and all this stuff. But there it's not even pertaining to things it's not even pertaining to the actual gameplay. They use that excuse for, you know, marking their players and, you know, allowing, you know, streaming rights and blackouts and all this stuff. It's just like, oh, this is the game. This is the way that the things have always been, this is the way the game is. Like but they need to be more forward thinking and be ahead of the curve and not behind it. But that's something they struggle with, and we're just continuing to see it, and it just sucks because I love baseball more than any other sport, and I'm just like, it's like I'm, I'm loving it in spite of what they're doing, not because of it. Yeah, but I really do feel like it's changing. It's slow and it's painful, but it's happening. It's. I mean, but like what are they doing? Well, I don't think it's changing from baseball, like from the league. I think it's changing from the bottom up, not the top down. I think that the players are changing it themselves in the way that they, you know, I think this this next CBA negotiation is going to be a big power struggle, but but it's also just the way they play, the way that the younger players are breaking out of the whole, you know, the, the old rules about respecting the game and playing it the right way and doing all that stuff. Like, it's changing. I mean, if you... Yeah, I guess in that aspect it is, but, you know, we had the personality we've always had the personalities it's just now they're manifesting in the forms of bat flips and you know well right but i see guys like trevor bauer who are just like doing it what they want they're going out and they're marketing themselves and you know there's going to be more trevor bauer is really the only one right but he's also i think the trailblazer do you think he's going to be the only one do you think five years from now there aren't going to be more guys doing what trevor bauer is doing right now part of trevor bauer's marketing thing is that he always calls out mlb on its crap right that's what i'm saying yeah that's what i think we're going to see more of but he's breaking the ice about their terrible social media policies so he can be the trailblazer hopefully he is because i think you're not putting that back in the bottle once it's out there and people see how successful he is, and he's got a huge—he's got a huge platform, of course, because he's—he had such a good season, and he's a Cy Young winner, and like he's—he's he's in a unique place. But I think he is—he is providing an example that we're going to see more of. And some people hate it. Some people hate Trevor Bauer and hate what he's doing, and other people love it. But the fact is that the players are no longer going to be treated as property of the team. I don't think they're going to let themselves be after a while, and it's going to take the guys who make a ton of money to, to blaze that trail because the, the guys who are, you know, at the lower tiers aren't going to be able to do it for themselves. And I hope that they, you know, we're getting off, you know, onto a tangent a little bit, but I hope that they, um, this next CBA, that they, they stand up for the minor leaguers because that's just absolute travesty. And I hope that the major league guys who have the financial position to do it will demand better for not only the minor leaguers, but the, the lower tier of major leaguers as well. There's just so much that needs to be changed. It's like, you know, where do you start? But you just you I just start some, with one some progress. Thing. One, yeah, you just start you know, with one thing and you keep pushing in the right direction. Some progress is better than no progress, but it's just like, 
you know, it shouldn't come down to the players, you know. Yeah, but that's, I feel team. like you can say it shouldn't, but it always does. Like big organizations don't no, change don't of their true. own accord. I, I don't think generally that they make true. the changes that need to be made themselves. Usually it has to be forced upon organizations to make the changes. So I don't know. I think the players are already forcing it, and I think we're going to see it continue. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But I guess it's going to be a slow, a painfully slow process. Yeah, yeah, it probably will. But this was a step in the right direction. So having them having them finally recognize the Negro Leagues for what they really were is fantastic. And, uh, you know, doing it right now where we're on the 100th anniversary was a cool kind of gesture. But it is just a gesture. There's a lot more to do, obviously. But I'm, I was really, really happy to see what was, that. Ryan, what was the word you used with uh, the MLB doing whatever they did for the uh, performative? It's performative. Yeah. Performative. That's exactly what it is. There's no well, right. genuineness behind it. Well, hopefully there will be. Like I said, it's 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 a first step, and it's a it's a good first step in the right direction. So hopefully more will follow. But you know, it's better that they did it than that they didn't. So even if it yeah. is performative, at least it's it's now been done, and so the next step is possible. Like the next steps weren't possible until this step had been taken. So try yeah. to take the good out of it. You know. Yep. Yeah. All right. We got anything else before we go? Nope. I think we're good. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Chrysler. Merry, Merry Christmas, Chrysler. everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening. It's been another awesome year. Um, I guess, are we going to record next week? Are we taking a, a week off for Christmas, or are we going to keep on keeping on? I'm down to keep on keeping on. All right. Let's well, do I it. guess, if, if you know, especially if there's signings this week before Christmas, we should definitely probably talk about it, but we'll play yeah, it by year. We will play it by ear. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Um, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'll run through them one more time. At a white 7877 at DC Natchek, at Half Shack Cap, at One Pursuit Takes, at MDT 06181815, and the show at Half Street High Heat, where you can find the polls, the Manscaped polls of the week for the first and second base rankings, and you can vote on our Christmas song draft. You guys have a good week. Talk to you next time. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go Senators are sent to send the pen at home for roll. D.C. <laughs>
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.